welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Bridgerton on Netflix. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Julian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of the Pemberley podcast. We're taking a break from Bridgerton this week because we wanted to talk about our short film, Jane Austen Virtual Book Club, which won first place in the 20 and over category of the Jasna Southwest Young Filmmakers Contest. The short film is now live on YouTube, which we'll link to the show notes of this episode. In case you don't know, Jasna is the Jane Austen Society of North America, a nonprofit organization staffed by volunteers and dedicated to the enjoyment and appreciation of Jane Austen and her writing. The Southwest chapter started hosting the Young Filmmakers Contest in 2017, and it was previously only open to students. In 2020, they opened it up to amateur filmmakers under the age of 30. We are also joined by our friend and talented filmmaker, Abby Steckler of Little Scorpion Studios, who helped us direct, film, and edit this short film. Welcome, Abby, to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, we're very excited to have you. Let's dive in a little bit into the sort of idea behind it. Yolanda, I think that you and I, the second we heard that Jasna was opening it up to non-students, we were like, hmm, we fit this bill. We can do this. Once we saw that, we started loosely thinking about ideas. I actually looked back at our doc and it was like late April, early May that we started just like brainstorming of like, what are possibilities? And granted, we were already trying to brainstorm at like the beginning of lockdown for us when so much was unknown known about our limitations. I mean, as soon as we started to really take the short film idea seriously, the very first thing that came to our mind was like, what is a realistic way that we could do this? We wanted something that would be COVID friendly, pretty contained and and pretty, I don't want to say like easy for us to shoot, but we wanted to make something realistic. May, June-ish when we were really like deciding we're going to do this. I was also worried because I was like, oh, well, judging is not going to be until like November, December are we really going to be talking about like pandemic and quarantine and will Zoom look outdated by then? We were so young and naive back then. So here we are over Zoom. (laughs) Yep. Just sort of like thinking the whole time, like this has to end soon. This will end soon. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty proud of our idea as an idea. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, definitely like dro- like pause this episode and like run over to YouTube. And we came up with the idea of a virtual book club. It sort of started there because we were like, we can do virtual things. And then we had the idea of including some of our favorite Jane Austen heroines. And I remember a really big thing with Um, you and me in the brainstorming was just like the hardest part kind of was figuring out sort of the end of book club. Where are these characters in their lives? I like that we really stumbled onto something when we decided that we were going to follow the heroine sort of like after they'd gotten married and after they'd sort of like moved into the estates and everything, we were sort of like picking up there and just sort of imagining their lives as if they were just sort of like married, but still like visiting each other as friends. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of a tricky line because we were like we want to show them married but we don't want to like say anything is canon beyond that just that we assume that they're all happy and that they yeah. all made good choices <laughs> 
So this, it was very fun to make, but this was not our first time writing together. The first time we wrote together was actually for Emma Approved. Yeah, so for the Emma Approved revival, we had the opportunity. I mean, we've already talked about previously working for Bernie and that's how we met. The opportunity came up to write a couple episodes for the revival, which was very exciting for us. I think it was like this full fandom circle moment of like, oh my goodness, we were such fans of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries and tried probably previously before we got internships to get internships with Bernie. We worked for him, we left, and then we had this opportunity to come back and work with him on Emma Approve the Revival. And like, that was a really quick process too. I think we got outlines for those episodes. We did three episodes, one each, one together. And it was like the quickest turnaround, but it was also the most fun. I think the the episode we wrote together, we were like in a Denny's in Hollywood for hours on this like cold rainy night. It was like so stereotypically the Hollywood writer, aspiring writers of like trying to make it in this booth in Denny's just like hold up there for hours. I wish that like we could have made a documentary on, (laughs) I don't remember the last time anything has felt that high stakes. And it's because (laughs) of the timeline. I think you and I had like a week and a half. The nice and sort of tricky thing about it was we'd been handed the outlines. So we knew what had to happen in the episode. And it was kind of up to us to like fill in the blanks and come up with the dialogue and just sort of like talk about how everyone would be feeling in each scene. And then sadly, like the taping of that show just sort of didn't happen after the first few episodes, but it was still a very fun opportunity for us. So that was our first time writing together. So we we knew that we could do it. Speaking of that sort of like Emma, uh, Lizzie Bennett structure, it served as a bit of an inspiration for us in terms of like our characters were these characters you know sitting in front of a a computer talking to I mean they weren't like recording for posterity or anything but they were like you know meeting each other over zoom and so we definitely like had that structure in life was you know and our short film was the same length as a web series episode so we were cognizant of that as we were creating this one of the things we had played around with was a Darcy cameo we were like maybe he'll also appear in the back of Elizabeth Elizabeth's video with the story we had already come up with. We felt like the Collins interruption was way stronger than just like a random Darcy cameo, which like would have been fun, but we just couldn't make it make sense within the five minutes. So by the summer, we basically had this thing written. That's when we brought Abby into the process to sort of help us direct it. And Abby, do you want to tell the fine people about your filmmaking experience? Yeah, I run a production company called Little Scorpions. Studios. Little Scorpion specializes in creating nonprofit content, promotional videos, creating projects that are telling important stories, helping amplify any voices that need to reach more people. I love what I do. I also do a lot of documentary work. This year, especially for me, has been mostly remote work, a lot of post-production especially. And so I was just so excited for an opportunity to be on the ground with a camera, to get to collaborate with actors and to get to work with you guys. I was so excited when you sent me the script initially because I just thought it was so funny and so clever and just such like a 
perfect combination of the Jane Austen tone with this new Zoom pandemic world that we're in now without ever talking about COVID. I was just so excited when you first contacted me about it. Oh, we're very flattered. Thank you. I know. Another fun question that we like to ask our guest is uh, if you would like to talk a little bit about your relationship to or love of Jane Austen. Oh my goodness. What a question. Uh, I love Jane Austen. I'm a huge Jane Austen fan. I first got into Jane Austen in high school. It was part of my like relationship with my dad because my dad is a huge Jane Austen fan. So he and I just like watched every film we could get our hands on and read a lot of the books together. And then I really got very interested. Um, my senior year of high school, I designed an independent study that was all about Jane Austen film adaptation specifically. And that was fascinating because I worked like one-on-one with the teacher and we like very methodically went through every single Jane Austen book, read it, and then watched everything we could we could see, um, every adaptation right in a row. And then I wrote like a bunch of analytical papers comparing everything and figuring out what worked, what didn't work. It was fascinating. For yeah, my final project for that semester, I decided to adapt Mansfield Park into a film script because I just like was very unhappy with all of the mm-hmm. previous adaptations of the Mansfield. So I was like, I'm gonna do it myself. So I wrote a script, which is still in existence if anyone wants to produce that movie. So yeah, that's my experience with Jane Austen. There's a special place in my heart for Mansfield Park because I spent the most amount of time with it. The 2005 Pride and Prejudice, I think is like one of the most gorgeous things in existence. So I love that. But I think my favorite Jane Austen book is Northanger Abbey because Mm. it's just so dang funny. And I think it's so clever. One day I'd love to make a movie of that and do it properly. There are a handful of Austen novels, one of which is definitely Mansfield Park that just like, like no one would even heard of it unless you were sort of like a fan or like knew of her work. That could be- Like if you would put Fanny into this- short film, this Jake Jane Austen virtual book club, no one would have any idea. Like, I w- don't care. And that was kind of, I mean, I remember us sort of like thinking about that because we were like, which characters do we use? Because we didn't want like a lot of people because, you know, we had to keep this small and uh, we'll go into like how we physically like shot this in just a few minutes. We, without a doubt, like knew Elizabeth Bennett the best. We knew Emma the best. And then, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the 1995 Sense and Sensibility movie because I was like, I think these two sisters, Eleanor and Marianne, are our other two book club members. I also think it's it's clever the the characters you chose because I think they would have all been friends with one another. Whereas I feel like maybe some of the other Jane Austen heroines might I mean this is maybe this is controversial, <laughs> but I'm thinking like Anne, right, from Persuasion. I'm mm-hmm. like, would she be friends? Would she join a book club? Like, I don't know if she would dig that. I mean, that is a very interesting let, let's not shy away from the controversy here. <laughs> <laughs> What I think is like sort of interesting, first of all, I think we need to set this hypothetical stage. Everyone is in the same year and it's in the same multiverse. I feel like Anne Elliot, a story about like a woman who gets a second chance at love. So she's like 27 in the book. The other women are sort of like 1920. I mean, that could feel like 20 year age difference back then. I don't know. I like to think everyone would get along, but I'd be curious to know who would be like best friends and who would butt heads. But we didn't make that one, but maybe we can make that one. <laughs> the 
sequel, exactly. Our, our empire has only begun. And so a new day is dawning. So let's talk about pre-production. So the next step for us after we'd written this thing and you'd taken a look at the script and given us your thoughts was to cast it. We had a couple friends in mind. We were able to work with some friends and some friends of friends. I'm really proud of everyone's performances. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone did really great. Obviously, like the diverse casting was on purpose and we wanted to make sure like even bigger characters like Elizabeth Bennett and Emma Woodhouse were portrayed by women of color because those roles, we know we've constantly seen them adapted into film, but they tend to be the same or, you know, even in web series adaptations, Emma Approved is really the only one that's done the starring role as a woman of color. I think it was really a, a cool opportunity just to be able to showcase that and include that. And so really glad that we were able to find both uh, Tyree Marshall and Celia Rivera for those roles. They were so talented. They were such pros. I was really impressed with the actors for giving such amazing performances when they had nothing to play off of because yeah. they just were in a chair, us reading the script to them, but they had no other actors in the room or outside with them. And they were still able to give such amazing reactions. And it takes a lot of talent to be able to give such a full performance by yourself. We had like one table read where they all got to sort of meet each other with filming. This was sort of the most interesting part of the whole creative process. We imagined just sort of like rearranging my apartment in a different corner. Everyone will get a different corner and it'll look so different and we'll trick everyone into thinking that they're in their homes and it's really different. And so we were going to film inside, everyone wearing masks, everyone staying six feet apart. We had an, a very special incentive to film indoors because this was in early September when wildfires were raging across Southern California. And Abby, I know you even did some location scouting outdoors that had to be canceled because it was so smoky outside. Yeah, it was the weird safety toss up. It felt like between like <laughs> filming inside where perhaps there's a higher risk of COVID transmission and then outside where the air was like literally too smoky and ashy to breathe in. We wanted to like make the safest choice and be fairest to cast and crew. And so it was hard. That was very stressful. I think thankfully, you know, the good thing about this being a short film was that we were able to still condense actors' time. And I think, Abby, you did great of like also going through those different takes with them, getting great performances in a quicker amount of time too. You know, I think we were very conscious of making sure everyone felt safe and could give their best performance despite the circumstances of COVID and also air quality outside so fun times luckily the smoke had subsided and we ended up filming further west abby i think you had a very fun time editing that part and we had a fun time filming that part because there were children in the park <laughs> how there dare they airplanes overhead we were also very close to the 101 freeway creating a short film safely in a pandemic it's just such a funny time and you're like okay we've escaped the pandemic we've escaped <laughs> the raging fires just to be like put on hold because there's a group of children playing on a playground and laughing so we have to wait <laughs> it's just funny I mean, now getting more into the production. So Abby, what was this process like for you? And had you done other productions at this point yet uh, during COVID? The only projects I'd done filming wise during COVID had all been remote. 
So I directed several productions like via Zoom or had like kind of sent other videographers to places to film or directing actors with their phones or whatever. So this was the first time in several months that I'd actually been able to go to a place with a camera. I was very excited. And I know we had like kind of gone back and forth of like high quality versus, you know, if we're really going a totally safe option, like having everyone record from their own homes and do Zoom that way. But you pushed for that high quality. And I think ultimately, I mean, it made it look way better. That was something that was really important to me, especially because I feel like this year, everyone spends all day on Zoom seeing the like slightly pixelated images. And while we're all used to it, when we want to be entertained, we're not necessarily going to want to turn to like a similar image. And so creating a really beautiful high definition video image was really important to me. And that's why I really wanted, if safe, to film in person with a camera so we could get beautiful 4K footage of everyone and have it match and then be able to like work on the color and work on the style and animate things in a way that made everything feel cohesive and look as cinematic as possible within the Zoom yeah. structure. One of the first things I had watched that felt like it broke outside of that was the Father of the Bride 3 little reunion short that they had done. That was high quality. It was more of like a stylized Zoom. It wasn't like just literally a screen recording of Zoom. Using that as like a comp to also go into the post process. We're not just screen recording Zoom. We're actually having some kind of look to this and with all the music and and effects you added to it, I think it all made it come together really well. Oh, thank you. I was thinking the whole time this last spring in May for Mother's Day, I worked on this big production for um, Broadway Cares and they put together a Mother's Day benefit where they work with all the Broadway shows that were on Broadway right as everything shut down. Hopefully they'll come back. We worked with all these casts to create two to five minute long pieces that then they played um, to raise money for Broadway Cares and support uh, Broadway actors and Broadway crews um, that are currently out of work. And it was so interesting because we worked on so many of these are all remote. And these actors, they're like amazing Broadway actors, amazing singers are so talented. But it was really, really tricky to work on Zoom because we recorded everything just on Zoom. Oh, wow. And that was like a, definitely a learning experience for me because I'm like, no matter like how talented they are, it's just really tricky, especially with the lag, with like technical problems. It's like, you're not clear if you're actually like being seen or not. There's a disconnect there that I think can interfere with performances. I think overall with that project, I was really pleased with how it turned out. I think everyone did an amazing job, but I like moving into this one, I was like, I really want to find a way for us to be able to work with every actor individually to like support mm. them so they can give their best performance possible. I know that was one of the challenges when we did the read-through, but it was like a little bit of trying to keep the pacing up of the short film, but also different internet speeds may not <laughs> be up to our speed either. So, And also it's it was fun to be able to really artistically direct the background and set things up. Yeah. And so the actor could just kind of like come in, sit down and they'd be ready to go and they wouldn't have to be responsible for any of the production design that was all on us. And that helped, I think, retain a level of control 
end of uniformity. I was grateful for that. For the scenes that we filmed indoors, I mean, that was all done in my apartment. And I remember I wanted to have like some food out for people. It was very safely done. And so I left for like 10 or 15 minutes to go to Porto's. And I like left you guys here to just sort of look around, see what a good background for people would be. And I come back. Every lamp in my home is just like now concentrated in the middle of my apartment. Everything is moved. And I'm like, that's, we're going to do this. It's fun. It's all part of the creative process. I'm sure I have a couple photos of that day of just like, yeah, lamps everywhere. Listen, it looked good in the end. It did look good. Oh, and I was just reminded of the fact that we, something that we also discussed quite a bit was costumes because Mm. what was nice about it was our actors would really only be seen from like the chest up and very like natural looking makeup. We just sort of need that short sleeve scoop necked shirt. It seemed as if like not a lot of people had that. Tyree brought her own dress that she wore. Celia also wore her own shirt. Avrielle works in a vintage store. So she like had her own everything. She, I feel like she came with options, but we had to just sort of like look at our own tops and be like, could it be Regency? I don't know. And I have like this one pair of costume pearls that like a couple of our actresses just share. <laughs> I sanitized them in between, but I was just like, these are our pearls if anyone wants them. And I have my long ballroom gloves from when Yolanda and I went to the Jane Austen ball last year. We just created like Pinterest inspiration boards of like, here's the look as close as you can get. Great. And so key items like the gloves and little shawls, I think just to dress it up a little more really helped. So I believe and yes, another thing we did was we like pooled our accessories as well. Because like, (laughs) I had like a secondhand book that we used as like our prop Sanditon book that we also sanitized between everyone. All three of us brought like whatever jewelry or tops, anything that we just had we were like this could be something and then I think we ended up not using a like so much of it just because you know we didn't want anyone to look overdone it was easier than we thought I thought the costuming worked out pretty well because you're mentioning Tyree had that beautiful dress that worked perfectly. But even with Celia, where she had a shirt that was just like a modern looking shirt, yeah. we were able to like use the shawl and make it like she ended up looking perfect. And I think that is a testament to the performances more than anything else, because it didn't matter necessarily that she wasn't wearing the perfect Regency wear because she was acting like Elizabeth. And so we just saw what, what she saw and what she yeah. was and so that I thought that was very cool and I I was happy that everyone like looked the part that the backgrounds all looked like they could have been in that time and in that place and I think like using the resources we had we did a really good job <laughs> the costume prop that I'm the most proud of we have not yet mentioned our talented friend Charlie Malcolm who made his cameo as Mr. Collins he plays a vicar we'd asked him just to wear like a black button down shirt so we were like what do we use for the cravat we didn't really have anything so what we did was we took my long gloves and we sort of wrapped one around his neck looped the other one through like a tie and then I just kind of had to keep checking between takes to like make sure it stayed up because like obviously I didn't want to like tie the gloves around his neck and make it tight. I am very proud of that because when I watch it, I'm like, look at that white cravat and look at how well we tied it. It looked great. great. Thank you. (laughs) 
I love that it's the only commentary of like, you no. guys, we're forgetting the cravat. And they're like, yeah, no. It's I was going to mention it too. I was going to mention it. It was so clever and the way you, we just had to use whatever props we had on hand to make things possible. We did. Teamwork makes the dream work. So yeah, so we filmed all of that. Abby did a great job editing that. Actually, I, Abby, I went to your apartment um, when we were sort of doing our final round of notes and you and I also filmed the intro, which is just gloved hands closing the book on a flower and making room for the title. That's me. That's my hand acting in my gloves. (laughs) (laughs) And we filmed it in your kitchen and it was quite the endeavor. I remember my gimbal was acting up and that was just like the most annoying part about that day was I couldn't get a still shot. But I think you were such a wonderful hand model. The best performance of that whole movie is your hands in the opening shot. Uh, You kind of upstaged everybody. Can you explain to the audience what a gimbal is? A gimbal is a camera stabilizer. There's many different types. The one I use is (laughs) DGI. Basically, you just like put a camera into this like contraption and it helps balance it. So when you move the camera, it doesn't shake. It's working now for our sequel. Perfect. Here we go. We're already making sure we've got the proper equipment. So diving in more into the post process, obviously, Abby, this is where you did all the work, really. Yeah. (laughs) Talk us through what was the process like for you in editing this? The number one challenge was just syncing everything up. We did film everything separately. So while the timing was similar between all the takes, they were not identical. So I like laid everything out and then had to like go through and choose the best takes because some nobody had just a single take where everything was perfect. So pulling from different moments and figuring out at what points do we see everyone all at once and then cutting to individual shots. Sometimes it was really obvious when that needed to happen. Other times it took more trial and air figuring things out for the most part everything went super smoothly and like I said before everyone's reactions were so strong and their performances were so nuanced that things cut together very very well yeah the most like time consuming part after the syncing was just like making sure the animation was right as people kind of popped in and out of zoom and working with you guys to design the look and the background and the borders around the people and when the name should come up and all of that it was, it was fairly simple and very, it was fun to do. It was just like a personally like crazy time for me because in the middle of all this post-production, I moved from LA to Brooklyn. So I was just like trying to move and edit and get it done in time, which just like added a little bit extra craziness to something that shouldn't have been that crazy to begin with. I know. I think one of the things that happened in our favor was that the deadline was extended for the short film contest. So we did have an extra month that allotted for whatever madness was happening in your life too at the time. So getting settled and other projects too. So that really worked out in our favor. I mean, you sent us the, the final product and it's amazing. And we sent it in. It was very exciting because we got an email on Christmas Eve. I was at my parents' house. I got Yolanda's text about like, check the email. And it was very exciting for us to read that we'd gotten first place in the over 20 category. The judges are also amazing. Like Ashley Clements of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries is one of the judges. So it's kind of, again, like this full fandom circle moment of we were a fan of her and now she was judging something we made. So that was really, really cool. And also like Adria Walden of Black Girl in a Big Dress. Like that's another web series we're a fan 
fans of. So it was really cool to think that like, oh, these like really awesome people watched our short film and they liked it. I'm so like grateful for this opportunity and, and it was so fun to do and I'm, I'm glad that we get to do it. Speaking of the judges, something that meant a lot to me was just reading the comments that we got. Um, it didn't say like who had said what, but we got a list of comments from the judges and it was just like lovely hearing nice things about this like beautiful film that we'd worked so hard on so that was just like a lovely validation I think we earned it when they sent the notes there were two categories it was praise and constructive criticism and there was nothing under constructive criticism it was only praise which I think means we should have an Oscar so we'll talk about that we'll have an aside like that's not this is not the time or place to discuss that it is worth noting (laughs) I think that should become the official tagline of the Pemberley podcast like Pemberley podcast all praise all praise all praise praise. yeah I mean, or in the future, it could be like Academy Award winning podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Really podcast. So that, yeah, I agree with you, Abby. That was like a very gratifying moment. So I mean, this is a good opportunity. We can all talk about what was sort of like the hardest part for us in all of this and what was our favorite part of making this. I think the favorite part was just getting to be creative in within like this Jane Austen space. It's been tough to like do your own projects and have like sort of that creative bandwidth emotionally mm-hmm. <laughs> during a pandemic to like pursue other projects maybe outside of work. So it was nice to be able to dive into writing again and creating something new. Definitely what felt a lot more like crunch time was figuring out filming indoors versus outdoors and when and where and who and what. And also being a little worried because we filmed in September and at that time the deadline was end of October. And so there was always a little part of me that was worried that like we would not complete this in time. Was It was okay and it happened. My favorite part of this whole process was just like, I, like I enjoyed the collaboration of it. Like I loved working with you guys and I love like some of our actors are, are friends of ours and the ones who were friends of them, I feel like are now friends of ours. And it was just really nice to be able to like work with really talented people who did such a good job and we're so game to do this and we're excited about this. It was just nice to work on something that we really cared about. I agree with all of the above. I think what I consider like my main job in life is coming across or being given amazing ideas and then guiding them into like video format so the world can see it. And I just like, I I love that. That it's like very satisfying for me. And that's why I do what I do. Like I mentioned, like with my company, like we, we hunt for stories that we think are worth telling. And so it was just so much fun to like receive this amazing script and then get to work with both of you on like bringing it to life. And like you said, Jillian, like I was so impressed with our actors and that collaborative process was amazing. All of it was a blast. So I guess one final question that I want to ask all of us is just sort of like, how do we feel like this short film fits into the Jane Austen adaptation world? I mean, I think getting to see the characters interact is really, really awesome. And there is the possibility of them being able to like, oh, what are their lives beyond these books? And what what do their marriages look like or their families look like? It's just being able to continue to experience and, and be with these characters that people love so much so I liked all of it you're right I loved bringing the characters together I liked making it a comedy I liked making it 
yeah. a funny short little snapshot. I feel like this short film is truly a marriage of so much of what I love, what we love, what's really important to us. I'm proud that like it's a really good example of everything that we love. Like zooming out to kind of view everything with like the larger scope of artistic history. I feel like we're going to like see moving forward that things are going to be broken up into like videos and movies and films that were made before COVID and then everything that was made after because everything is going to be different just in theme and feeling and tone because like we have been changed as a global population and what I love about this film is it's definitely a like post-COVID era Jane Austen adaptation like whether it was intent like it was intended that way but that's like how it was made and that like is how our audiences are going to be watching it is through that lens and I love at the beginning how like everyone's asking and like that everyone's families are in good health which is just like a normal thing to say but then during COVID times takes on a whole different meaning. So I just, I love how without like talking about COVID, this film fits into this time period as well as in the 1800s. And so I think that creates its own little niche and maybe we'll launch a whole new genre of, of Jane Austen film adaptations. I'm not going to who we are. I'm not going to, we're just launching new genres left and right. We didn't even mean to do it. It just sort of (laughs) happened, you know, going off of what you just said, Abby, I like to think that if you were to just sort of like reach a hand in and, and lift the zoom element out, it's still just like our heroines talking to each other, just like having normal conversations. And to me, the only part that's really like playing with Zoom is when Mr. Collins pops in and we're able to quickly get rid of him, you know, but if we all filmed that in person, it could be as simple as like him barging in the door and then being swiftly like moved out the door. And so I like to think that there is even another adaptation of this short film where we don't change any of the dialogue. You know, they're just in a room together. One day. One One day. day. Abby, do you have any like selfish plugs that you want to make here? Any final thoughts that you want to say? For sure, go to my website. If you want to see any examples of work, constantly new stuff being uploaded there. I also keep the world updated with my life on Instagram. That's Abigail Steckler, Abigail.Steckler. There's also my handle for my company, which is Little Scorpion Studios. Very easy to find. Final thoughts. Once again, like thank you for bringing me onto this project. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to pop in today to the show to chat with y'all. You can check out more of Abby's wonderful projects at littlescorpionstudios.com. You can watch our short film on YouTube. We are going to continue with Bridgerton next week. Thanks so much, you guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.